Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We'll commence our reading at verse 1 and conclude at verse 10. Amen. And I'll be reading today from the New King James Version of the Bible. Acts chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. It is our custom to stand for the reverence of the reading of God's word. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading today from the new King James Version of the Bible. When you have it, say amen. And if you don't have it, just look at the screen. Amen. Amen. Here begins the reading of God's holy word. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So far the scripture, after the man approached Peter and John, the scripture says, verse 5, so he gave them his attention expect to receive something from them. Then Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You may be seated in the presence of God. And friends, for our time together uh, uh, this morning, I want to preach and teach in this simple thought and theme. Don't panic, just pivot. Don't panic, just pivot. Friends, automobiles have airbags, helicopters have parachutes, and high-rise buildings have sprinkler systems. You see, the automobile has airbags, so in case of a serious accident, the lives of the drivers and passengers can potentially be saved even if the vehicle is totaled. Helicopters have parachutes so that in case the aircraft experience a dire emergency in the air, the passengers can escape to safety. High-rise buildings have sprinkler systems so that in the event of the, a fire, the building can immediately get water in lieu of the firefighter's arrival. 
You see, each of the three items listed above were pre-installed in their respective entities to potentially preserve life, prevent deterioration, and promote recovery. Each of these items were pre-installed to allow the individual to pivot in a panic situation. And just like automobiles have installed, or just like automobiles and auto manufacturers have installed airbags in cars, and just like aeronautical engineers have installed parachutes in helicopters, and building engineers have installed sprinkler systems in high-rise buildings, God has pre-installed the Holy Spirit in the believers so that we can promptly respond to the unexpected, react to the unconventional, and resolve the unpredictable. You see, the text this morning is tailored to teach us that God has proactively equipped us with the internal infrastructure to be victorious over unpredictable obstacles, adversities, and difficulties, to panic when we want to pivot, not because of what we have intrinsically on the outside, but because of who he has deposited proactively and the inside. And friends, as we begin to study this text through the lens of confronting the unconventional, there's three points that I would that you uh, observe this morning as it relates to confronting the unconventional. Number one, notice the condition of the paralytic. The condition of the paralytic. The scripture says in Acts chapter uh, 3, 1 through 5, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Notice this here, the text commences by introducing a paralytic and his encounter with Peter and John. The text says in verse 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Around 3 p.m., Peter and John went up to the temple for prayer. Now what you have to understand here is the Jews had three daily times for prayer. Uh, prayer at 9 a.m., prayer at 12 12 noon and prayer at 3 p.m. Notice his prayer time was in conjunction with the evening sacrifices and the incense offerings. The scripture says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. This man laid at the gate daily begging. He was begging and begging where he could be seen by the most people. This man had a hustle. He was begging at a place where where he would visit or in many ways encounter a whole lot of people and, and the probability of encountering a whole lot of people seeing him in his condition could probably made him some money on that day. And a certain man came, lame from his mother womb, was carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. He was begging to ask alms from those who entered the temple. You see, beggars saw the temple as the best place to operate because that is where people came to impress God with good works and big offerings. But notice it says, who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple asked alms. He asked for money. He asked for a donation. He asked for a charitable contribution. And fixing his eyes on him. 
I love this, that, 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 that phrase, and fixing his eyes on him, literally meaning in the Greek, they looked intently at him. With John, Peter said, look at us. He says, look at us. Uh, bro, we as broke as you. And he says here, look at us. Look at us. Look into us. Do we look like we are wealthy? We actually survive like you survive off the charitable contributions of church folk after we do the work of the ministry. So he gave them his intention. I love this. So he gave them his attention. His uninterrupted engagement. Expecting to receive something, money from them. But what I notice about this text, Pastor Bob, of course we know this man is lame. He is, i.e., handicapped. But that's the little handicap I see here. I also see a big handicap. See, the big handicap here is, was not the condition of his feet, but the complacency of his focus. He got people to seat him at the gate daily to get money. But although he was in earshot of the temple, he never got them to seat him in the temple to get a miracle. And so he merely came to a point in place where he settled for money instead of going after a miracle. Ah, uh, people of God, you have to be very careful of the spirit of complacency. Complacency is married to mediocrity because mediocrity will bring you to a point and place where you're satisfied and happy uh, living life on top of the bottom. But he says here the ultimate handicap is that he settled for money and didn't go after a miracle. And you see people got the danger of complacency. He came to a conclusion that his condition of being lame was never going to change. He was born with it. He would live in it. And he concluded that he would die with it. But people got, here you go, you will attract other people. You will attract other people who are so comfortable with your complacency to the degree that they stick with you, not because they love you, but because somehow they are making dividends off your disability. And at the end of the day, people of God, we have to have the right people in our corner and the right people connecting us, pushing us from complacency to excellence, pushing us to, from one glory to the next glory, pushing us to walk in our destiny, pushing us to walk in our calling, pushing us to do what God would have us to do, pushing us to get us to a place where God can do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, pushing us to go to a whole nother level. Too often we waste time attacking symptoms and not eradicating systems. Reminds me of gun violence in America. And we saw what happened in Uvalde, Texas, where all those innocent children killed. That was a tragedy. But at the end of the day, Chicago and Philadelphia see record shootings and murders of black and brown children and people every day. Don't attack the symptom, address the system. Gun violence in America, it can be fixed. Considering we have the largest economy in the world, the strongest military, the most robust intelligence network in the world. But the problem has not been eradicated, 
but further exacerbated because somebody is getting paid. And if you want solutions, you have to address the system. If you want solutions to gun violence, you got to address poverty. If you want solutions, you have to address affordable housing and education disparities and mental health disparities. If you want solutions, you have to come to a point in place and say, God, I am tired of fixing symptoms. I want the system to re-eradicate it. And we eradicate that system. God, we can come to a point in place where we have victory over the symptoms. Ah, confronted the unconventional, number one, not only notice the condition of the paralytic, but number two, notice the compassion of the preacher. Verses six and seven of Acts three, he says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Notice this, the text continues by disclosing the means by which this paralytic was healed. It says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This was a panic moment. This was a panic moment for Peter and John because they had no point of reference from their teachings from Jesus how to address a situation in which someone is begging you for money when Jesus sent them out with nothing. But they don't panic. They pivot because although they didn't have money, they had Jesus. They had the Holy Spirit. Then Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, speaking of repentance and baptism, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. You see people like, God has a unique way of knowing what you want, but skipping over giving you what you want to give you what you really need. He says, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he, he rose and he walked. And people of God, this is what God is saying. When you're going through the situations and the tough challenges and tribulations of your life and of your ministry, all you need is one word from God. All you need is one word from God. And so don't settle for complacency because one word from the Lord can change the entirety of your trajectory. Acts 3 was not the first time Peter and John saw this man. I'm going somewhere. This was the first time they saw him after Acts 2. Rewind the tape. This was not the first time they saw him. They encountered him before Acts 3, but they didn't engage with him until after Acts 2 after they got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Uh, they helped him in Acts 3. And the point I'm trying to make here is you can't tell me you have had an authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit, but walk past people in need, but refuse to help them in their distress. People of God, God's priority 
is not your right now. God's priority is your not yet. If he got money, money would help him in the right now, but hurt him in the not yet. Money would lead to dependency. I get money today, back begging for money tomorrow. Instead, God gave him not dependency, but mobility. God gave him mobility in his right now, which could lead to opportunity in his not yet to get a job and to make money and to be prosperous and to build his own business and to go to the next level. But the Bible makes it clear here, after he received uh, his strength and Peter and John tells him, rise up and walk, I love this. The Bible says they lifted him up. And I'm come to tell somebody a new covenant this morning. In this season of your life, you need people in your life who when they see you down, they don't leave you, they don't laugh at you, they don't lecture you, but they lift you. And I give God praise today for people who strategically have been placed in my life to lift me. You may be standing today, but don't, don't act like you've been standing all your life. You're standing today because God sent people supernaturally into your life to lift you up. And at the end of the day, let's return the favor and when you see somebody down oh my grandfather said it this way Chauncey the only time you should be looking down on somebody is when you bend them down to pick them up because at the end of the day if it had not been for the Lord on your side you still would be down you still would be lost you still would be disabled but for the grace and mercy of God Confronted the unconventional. I got one more point. I'm out your way. Not only notice the condition of the paralytic, the compassion of the preacher. Lastly, number three, notice the commitment of the praiser. Verse 8 through 10. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Notice here the text concludes by highlighting the unabashed praise of the paralytic. Verse 8, so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them. So notice he entered from the court, he proceeded from the court of the Gentiles to the court of the women, which was the treasury, to the court of Israel, which had nine gates, which led to the inner court, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Notice the sequence of his praise. He was healed at the gate. But he didn't praise God until he got into the temple. Why did he wait to get to the temple to praise God? I believe he wanted to wait because he wanted to be an ocular demonstration that the Lord brought him from a mighty long way. But I also believe this man waited to get to the temple 
to prove the point that at the end of the day, one, God, one word from God can take you to places and spaces you never had access to. But I also believe he waited to get to the temple uh, to return the favor. Remember they said, rise up and walk. And Peter and John lifted him up. Jesus, through Peter and John, lifted him up. And so he waited to get to the temple to praise God, to return the favor in many ways to say, since Jesus lifted me up, I'm going to the temple to lift Jesus up. Ah. Then they knew that it was he who was begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. Of course, this is an appropriate response to a de dramatic demonstration of divine power. And they were amazed at what happened to him. But I love the unabashed commitment of this praiser. I love this. He was committed to praise God publicly. He was committed to praise God even as people saw him out in the public. But he was committed to praise God publicly. But also, I love this. He was committed to praise God singularly by himself. And he was committed to praise God even when people were watching him, talking about him, but refusing to join in with him. Come here. This passage reminds me of when you've caught a real good sale in the circular. This brother gets two for the price of one. Because usually when we preach and teach and read this text, we only talk about healing. And he did get healed. But what I love this, he gets two for the price of one because the paralytic is walking in healing. But also he's walking in deliverance. Notice here that although people were watching him, talking about him, refusing to join in with him, he kept praising God anyway. Where do you see the deliverance? He's praising God anyway, although people are watching him, talking about him, and refusing to join in with him. He praised God anyway. I see deliverance there. Because one of the greatest deliverances you can ever experience from God is getting delivered from the opinions of people. because he was delivered from their opinions of him. And you have to be delivered from the opinions of people, delivered from people who regardless of whatever you do will oppose you and criticize you and slander you and dislike you. You gotta be delivered from people. He says, don't you change the unique composition of the idiosyncrasies that make you you uh, to, be, to get accepted by other people because at the end of the day, God did not create you to be tomato soup. God created you to be gumbo. And we have to get delivered from people not liking us. They don't like you because they don't like themselves. They don't like you because they can't control you. They don't like you because they can't be you. 
And at the end of the day, you have to know your value. And when you know your value, you walk with a sense of esteem and dignity and respect because you know at the end of the day, I am who God made me to be regardless of what people say about me. I know who I am. Reminds me of a story of a preacher. Uh, he lived in Dallas and he was taking his, his wife and his daughter to the Essence Fest in New Orleans and he was trying to save money. And so they flew southwest. And uh, he bumped into this lady and this lady is a very uh, dignified, very wealthy, famous lady and he didn't want to say her name. He said her name was Miss Grand. And he talked with her and they exchanged niceties and things of that nature. And then he came back to her and he said, Miss Grant, I am just perplexed by the fact that a woman of your caliber, clout and charisma would be riding on Southwest considering that Southwest does not have first class. She looked back at the preacher and said, you don't have to feel that way because at the end of the day, anywhere I sit automatically become first class. And when you know who you are, you have to be committed to being a God pleaser and not a people pleaser because people will love you one minute and hate you the next. They will celebrate you one minute and crucify you the next. They will be your armor bearers one minute and your Paul bearers the next. I'm going to be like this man in this text. I'm going to praise God anyway because your miracle is not merely for your good. Your miracle is for God's glory. And the psalmist says, Lord, let me live a life and let let it be pleasing unto thee and if I should gain any praise let it go to Calvary to God be the glory for the things God has done is there anybody in this room today have made up your mind I'm gonna praise God anyway because the Lord brought me from a mighty long way is there anybody up in here that know to God be the glory for the thing he has done don't take the glory give God the glory and when you give him the glory watch he make ways out of no ways watch he give you opportunities watch he bless you in advance if can I get a witness won't he do it ain't he all right ain't he all right won't he do it won't he fight your battles won't he make your enemies your footstool won't he be joy and sorrow hope for tomorrow won't he be peace in the midst of your storms won't he dry your tears won't he calm your fears won't he extend your years I'm trying to sit down but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul cries out hallelujah because you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me he brought me from a mighty long way say yes say yes say yes Come on, come on. Has he done anything for you? Has he done anything for you? You might not be at the gate called beautiful, but there's a reason to leap and praise God. We could have been dead, sleeping in our grave, but God told the enemy to back up and behave. He's all right. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
just because of who he is, we ought to give him glory. Don't wait until you get in trouble. I praise God from just what I heard. Deliverance from what people think. Oh my God. That's a word. That's a word. Knowing your worth. Your employer, my employer, can tell us what they're going to pay us, but they can't tell us what we're worth. When you know what you're worth, anywhere you sit is first class because you bring the class. That right there, that right there, we all need to receive that because sometimes our identity is shaped by what we have, by our zip code and what other people think is status. But when you know what you know, when you know who you know, you have something more precious than silver and gold. Money is the cheapest part of us. The Lord knew I can't give these boys money because there's something more important to be done. Because if I give them money, they're going to take out their money just like everybody else who walked past him. His cup was probably full. Cup was probably full. But when he looked expecting something, see, that's what I love about God. He will do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. How does he do it? According to the power that's working in us. Is there any power working in you? Is there any power that's working in you? And here's what Paul says after he says, according to the power that's working in us. He said, to him be glory. To him be glory. Where? In the church. By Christ Jesus. Throughout all ages. Forever and ever. Somebody say, amen. That word is stirring. I pray today that someone someone has been transformed in their innermost being by what they heard today and I know that that word is not going to return to God void thank you for joining us in service today we pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family to give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry thank you so much for your generosity and god's blessings until we meet again